This morning, God's Word comes to us from the book book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 22. We're going to be reading just the first 12 verses of this chapter. Deuteronomy chapter 22, beginning at verse 1. What we hear now is God's Word. You shall not see your brother's ox or his sheep going astray and ignore them. You shall take them back to your brother. And if he does not live near you, and you do not know who he is, you shall bring it home to your house, and it shall stay with you until your brother seeks it. Then you shall restore it to him. And you shall do the same with his donkey or his garment or any lost thing of your brother's which he loses and you find. You may not ignore it. You shall not see your brother's donkey or his ox fallen down by the way and ignore them. You shall help him to lift them up again. A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak, for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord God. If you come across a bird's nest in any tree or on the ground with young ones or eggs and the mother sitting on the young or on the eggs, you shall not take take the mother with the young. You shall let the mother go, but the young you may take for yourself, that it may go well with you and you, you may live long. When you build a new house, you shall make a parapet for your roof that you may not bring the guilt of blood upon your house, if anyone should fall from it. You shall not sow your vineyard with two kinds of seed, lest the whole yield be forfeited, the crop that you have sown and the yield of the vineyard. You shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. You shall not wear cloth of wool and linen mixed together. You shall make yourselves tassels on the four corners of your garment with which you cover yourself. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, the third Sunday of January is a Sunday that we traditionally commemorate as Sanctity of Life Sunday. And we call to mind and the terrible sin of abortion, a sin sanctioned by our government itself. And there is a certain expectation that on Sanctity of Life Sunday, uh, we would have a text that highlights uh, the Bible's instruction not to kill the unborn. The difficulty with that is the instruction not to kill the unborn is an application of biblical principle. Uh, There's no text that highlights that truth, don't kill the unborn. Perhaps a text that says very clearly life begins at conception. And while that's absolutely true, that is an application of various biblical texts. And so this morning on Sanctity of Life Sunday, perhaps this text uh, from Deuteronomy 22 seems like a strange text to choose. A text about finding lost animals, 
a text about finding a bird's nest, a text about building a, a, a fence around your roof, a text about not sowing different kinds of seeds or plowing with different kinds of animals. But this text was for Israel an application of a fundamental biblical principle. And that principle was God's concern for life. And it is that same biblical principle which we then apply to the truth that life begins at conception, to the truth that all of life is sacred to God. We should have a sanctity for human life. It's an application of a biblical principle. When we look at the law of God, and this is certainly a law text, when we look at the law of God, we see that God's law takes a particular form at different times in history. This is a particular form of the law of God. But behind that form is an ongoing norm. And the norm that God has given to us does not change. God continues to have concern for life. He was concerned for life in Israel's time. He is concerned for life in our times as well. So this morning we're going to look at what may seem to be a strange text for Sanctity of Life Sunday. To see, to see what form the law took for Israel, how that was an application of a particular biblical norm, and how that norm still speaks to us today and is properly applied on a Sunday like this, that we highlight the sanctity of life. This morning we look at God's concern for life. The law begins, verse 22. You shall not see your neighbor's ox or his sheep going astray and ignore them. So don't ignore the problem. He says it again in verse 3. And you shall do the same with his donkey or his garment or anything which is lost, which you find, and which he loses and you find. You may not ignore it. And again in verse 4. You shall not see your brother's donkey or his ox fallen down by the way and ignore them. There is an ignorance which is not allowed. Moses is not talking about here, here about laws and issues about which we do not know. Oh, I didn't know my neighbor's uh, donkey or, or ox was lost, so I can't do anything about it. No, you see it. You know it. And you may not deliberately refuse to acknowledge it. The words he used here for ignoring has the sense of to deliberately hide oneself from it. That we know there's a, a lost animal out there, and yet we deliberately ignore the problem. If we know something is going on, we may not turn a blind eye to it. How does that truth apply to the issue of sanctity of life? It has been almost 50 years since the Roe v. Wade decision. January 22, 1973. I don't remember a time when abortion was not legal. Some of you are older than me. You remember those times. But I, and anyone younger than me, very like, does not know a time 
that abortion was not legal, that it was not the law of the land. We know, we know that the terrible slaughter of the innocents is going on. And we may not turn a blind eye to it. The, the problem is, so often, our familiarity with a particular sin leads to an insensitivity toward that sin. It's so often that way with sin. Children, maybe, maybe, maybe the first time that you tell a lie to someone, you're so bothered by that, you're so troubled by that, you can't even sleep at night because you told a lie to somebody. But the second time is a little bit easier. And the next time, a little easier and easier and easier. And eventually, our conscience becomes seared. Like I said, for me, abortion has been the law of the land my recollective memory life. And it's easy to become indifferent. You may not ignore the law says. We may not turn a blind eye to what is going on all around us, which is why I'm so thankful that we have uh, in this church the Christian Action and Awareness Committee. They bring these things before us. They remind us of the truth. They don't let us forget. They don't let us deliberately hide ourselves from what's going on from the concern that God has for life and the concern we must have for life. No, ignorance is forbidden. You shall not ignore, you shall not ignore, you shall not ignore. That's clear from the law. Beyond not ignoring what's going on, there is an expectation that we will try to do something about it. Again, from our text, verse 1. You shall not see your brother's ox or his sheep going astray and ignore them. You shall take them back to your brother. When you see what has happened, don't close your eyes to it, but do something about it. And he says in verse 2, And if he does not live near you, and you do not know who he is, you shall bring it, the animal, home to your house. And it shall stay with you until your brother seeks it. Then you shall restore it to him. There was a desire for restoration, even if that took effort on your part to find this stray animal, to take this stray animal home, to feed this stray animal, was at a cost. And yet, even though it required effort, that was the expectation. There was action that would be required to take care of the animal. Now, how does that get applied to the issue of sanctity of life? We know what is going on. We may not turn a blind eye to what is going on. And in different ways, using our different gifts and talents and skills, we must be engaged in in trying to bring restoration. Restoration to doing things God's way. Now that may be done, we might say, um, somewhat from a distance. We might do that through the giving that we do. Uh, again, in, in the, in the uh, 
mailboxes, you'll see about the baby bottle campaign going on and the car seats we can buy, things we can do to help to donate to those who are actively engaged in helping those in difficult pregnancies. We can be engaged, we might say, at a distance. We can be engaged at a distance through the prayers that we offer. I'm sure you are aware that before our Supreme Court in this session are a couple of cases that will impact our understanding of the sanctity of life. Are we in prayer, again at a distance, but are we in prayer for those justices? That they might, they might see things in the light of God's law, in the light of His Word. We might be engaged, we might say, at a distance. Or perhaps, because of the particular gifts and talents we have, we are engaged more on the front lines. Notice what he says in verse 4. If you, uh, you shall not see your brother's donkey or his ox fallen down by the way and ignore them, you shall help him to lift them up again. Verse 4 is a little different than the previous verses. The previous verse, you see this animal all by himself. Verse 4 says, no, the owner's there too yet. The owner sees the animal fallen down, you see the owner next to the animal fallen down, and you will help him to lift that animal up again. You'll get your hands dirty. You'll get down and physically do what's necessary. And maybe, maybe for some of us, that's, that's an encouragement from the Lord this morning. To be actively engaged in, in, in volunteering at places like uh, His Nesting Place or, or Assure. If God's given you those particular gifts and talents, being more, we might say, on the front lines, in caring for, for those who are hurting, in, in, in promoting the sanctity of life. We have this, this uh, little section in verse 8. Children, I love this little section. In fact, I was almost going to preach the whole sermon just from verse 8, but we added more to it. But this is verse 8. When you build a new house, you shall make a parapet for your roof, that you might not bring the guilt of blood upon your house if anyone should fall from it. Now, what is that law for Israel? That law for Israel was when they built a home, there would be a part of it that was a flat roof. Not a peaked roof like our churches, but a flat roof. And on that flat roof, they could go out and they could walk and perhaps have a chair to sit down in and they would, they would spend time on the flat roof. But the law was, when that is the case, you build a parapet. Think of a little fence. You build a little fence around that, that patio, that porch, that balcony, so you can keep people safe that they don't accidentally get too close to the edge and then fall off. When you build a new house, you shall make a parapet, a fence for your roof, that you may not bring the guilt of blood upon your house if anyone should fall from it. It was a blood guilt that you would take if you didn't actively engage in caring for those around you. How do we apply that? that form, how do we apply that to the question of the sanctity of life? Well, we saw we may not be silent. We are to be engaged in some way. And if there is someone 
in our circle of influence, in our home. That could be those around us, our neighbors. If there's someone in our home that we know is considering terminating the life of a child, we're to, we're to actively be engaged in, in, in reminding them that this is a life given from God. Lest, lest blood guilt come upon our house for failing to speak, for failing to act, for failing to, to highlight God's concern for life with those who are closest to us. Perhaps you have those in your family, in your friends, who have unwanted pregnancies and are considering all the options out there. We may not be silent. We build that fence to remind them that there is a, a place of safety within the law of God, lest the blood guilt would fall. We have these <clears throat> parts of the text that talk uh, in rather strange ways, we might say. Um, verse 5, A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak, for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. We have this section in verse 9, You shall not sow your vineyard with two kinds of seed, lest the whole yield be forfeited, the crop that you have sown and the yield of the vineyard. You shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. You shall not wear a cloth and wool and linen mixed together. These, uh, these texts about blending things which should not be blended. And what that reminds us of, behind that form, behind that form, is the norm that God does make distinctions. There are distinctions that should be made. Now, they took a particular form for Israel, this particular form of not wearing certain clothes and not using your animals in a certain way. We are to be distinctive in our actions, and that includes the way we address the sanctity of life. Sanctity of life is not a distinctively Christian position. There are unbelievers who would stand with us in opposition to abortion. Now, they would probably do that because of a sense of the rights of the unborn. The unborn have certain rights, and you may not take those rights away. And so we would have an unbeliever and a believer standing side by side and agreeing that we should be careful to watch over the sanctity of the life of the unborn. But, but our motivation for doing that is very different than their motivation. They may be concerned about the unborn rights. We are concerned about the unborn because we believe that man is created in the image of God. This is an image bearer who is being put to death. We believe life begins at conception. This is, this is a life created in God's image that is being murdered, and so we stand against that. We believe it's an application of the law of God. You shall not murder. That includes the unborn. Now, the unbeliever would never say, well, we should do this because it's an application of the law of God. We would have a different reason, a different motive. And so there's a distinction 
like the distinctions made in Deuteronomy 22. Don't use different kinds of seeds. Don't use the ox and the donkey. Don't use the wool and the linen. And even, if I can go one step farther, our understanding of this principle, the sanctity of life, God's concern for life, as an, as an expression of his law, we would stand against those who would challenge the sanctity of life because we desire to keep God's law out of thanksgiving to him. Now, there may be other wonderful, blessed, loving, evangelical people who also say this is a matter of law. And so I better make sure that God's law is being kept in order that I might find favor in God's sight. It's a view of the law that says the law is the key to salvation. We would stand with them in the application, yes, the sanctity of life. But even our understanding of law would be distinct. We would stand against the murder of the innocents because it's, it's keeping God's law out of thanksgiving out of gratitude, out of devotion, because of what God has done for us, because of God's concern for our life. God was concerned about our life in such a way that he would not let us live this life and spend an eternity in hell. But God would send His own Son, Jesus Christ, to redeem our life, to give us new life, to convert that death sentence to an eternity with Him. And out of thanksgiving for that, we say, we must keep the law, we must show God our gratitude, we must stand against the evils of abortion. Concern for what God has done for us and what God continues to do. Once again this morning, the call of the gospel goes out. And God says, don't put your trust in yourself. Don't put your trust in what you can do. Don't put your trust in keeping the law, even, even if you're keeping the law as a way of promoting life. Because our keeping of the law will always fall short. No, he says, put your trust, your hope, your confidence in my son Jesus Christ, who has kept the law on your behalf. That's the call to us once again today. Our text ends with this, this uh, verse, five, uh, verse 12. You shall make for yourself tassels on the corners of the garment with which you cover yourself. Tassels on the corners of your garment. Kids, what do tassels have to do with sanctity of life, with keeping the law out of gratitude to God? Well, Israel, the form for them, was to put tassels on their garments for a particular reason. That reason's given to us in Numbers 15. The Lord said to Moses, Speak to the people of Israel and tell them to make tassels on the corners of their garments throughout their generations, and to put a cord of blue on the tassel of each corner. And it shall be a tassel for you to look at and to remember all the commandments of the Lord to do them, not to follow after your own heart and your own eyes, which you are inclined to whore after. So you shall remember and do all my commandments and be holy to your God. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord your God. The tassels were not simply decorative, but they were to call to mind. They were a remembrance. 
a remembrance of the truth that we are to keep the law of God out of gratitude. He is the God who has brought us out of the land of Egypt. He is the God who has redeemed us. There are some who would say, you know, it's nice to have a Sanctity of Life Sunday, but once a year isn't enough. They had these tassels on the corners of their garments. They saw them every single day. Well, it's true. We do not preach about the sanctity of life every single Sunday. But we do hear the law every Sunday. And every Sunday we hear, you shall not murder. That does not explicitly refer to abortion, but certainly implicitly refers to abortion. Yes, we are reminded Lord's Day after Lord's Day after Lord's Day of God's concern for life, God's concern for the sanctity of life. We don't have tassels. We have the very Word of God read to us every Lord's Day, reminding us of God's care and concern for His people. Is Deuteronomy 22 about abortion? I don't think so, not directly. But it certainly, it certainly indirectly speaks to God's concern for life in these different ways. And while the form of the law was particular for Israel, the form takes a particular look for us today. And certainly as part of the application of God's concern for life, we have the concern for the life of the unborn. We may not close our eyes. We may not claim ignorance, but God calls us to use the gifts and talents He has given to us to be engaged, either from a distance or up close, and we do this. We do this not because we're good people. We do this not to earn God's favor. We do this because God has been good to us. We keep His law out of gratitude for the salvation which he has fully accomplished in his Son, Jesus Christ. Oh, we praise God for his concern for all life, including our life. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank you and we praise you for your holy word. It is a word which speaks to us today. It spoke to your people thousands of years ago. For we know, O oh God, that your word is abiding, it is ongoing. Not one part of your word has fallen to the ground. Help us, Lord God, to properly apply that word in our lives, particularly when it comes to the keeping of your law, to recognize that we do keep the law out of gratitude for what you have done for us. We want to praise you, O oh God, for you have given us new life. We pray for life life created in your image, that life that we see around us, that life which is unborn. We ask, O oh God, that you might give us a greater concern because you have concern for the life which you have created. Hear our prayer, for Jesus' sake. Amen.